2: So subscribe today
1: at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL.
0: This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. It's hard to remember a time when reality TV was a new thing, and scripted shows provided the bulk of our entertainment. These days, reality TV is everywhere, and when it's successful, you can bet they'll find ways to expand its reach. That's why there are so many franchises of The Real Housewives. But that particular brand isn't alone. Say Yes to the Dress is one of those shows that gives a geographical twist to new versions, including one based right here in Atlanta, Rodney Ho is our resident expert on reality TV and really radio and TV in general, and he's here to bring us an interview with the host of "Say Yes to the Dress Atlanta." Welcome, Rodney. Hey, Shane. So, uh, so you talked to the host of "Say Yes to the Dress Atlanta." Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, her name is Lori Allen. She is sixty, and she's been running basically a bridal shop. Since she got out of college, 40 years, she's been running a bridal shop. She's done it in different locations. She's currently in Sandy Springs at Bridals by Lori. And, uh, you know, TLC, I guess 10 years ago, was looking for an offshoot of their New York version of Say Yes to the Dress. And they found Lori. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's a delightful personality, very straightforward, very Southern Um And, uh, you know, she brings along her buddy Monty and they make a good combination. uh, And and the show is very pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's, you know, women coming in, brides just looking for dresses and kind of the drama that happens there, you know, and uh, that's it. (laughs) There's nothing deep about it, but it's, you know, it could be compelling. You know, family dynamics is usually what people like. And, you know, she's gone through her own personal uh Trevise over the years. She had breast cancer in 2012. They did a special on her breast cancer survival uh, journey back in the day. And uh, she's been thinking about writing a book all these years. She's she's, you know, a, a mom of two children. She's got aging parents. She's, you know, she's got an interesting story to tell. And she was trying to find an angle in terms of how to write a book. And she ultimately uh, you know, realized that. A lot of the mothers of the brides she noticed while they were willing to spend a gazillion dollars on their daughter's dress uh they always went for the cheap dresses for themselves it's as if they already had decided that they themselves were no longer important and she wanted to write a book just showing that if you're over 50 it doesn't mean that you're ready to uh you know go to the retirement home there's still a lot of life left and uh, her book is kind of a mix of a memoir of her own life experiences as well as uh, advice for women on either finance, relationships uh, with their parents or with their spouse or with their kids or their in-laws. So it, it's, it covers a lot of territory.
0: Right. Well, cool. I, I, I'm i surprised. I had no idea that the show had been going on for, for 10 years. That's amazing.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, hey, Real Housewives of Atlanta has been going on for 12 years. So time goes by <laughs> rather quickly, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. So, uh, but, but this, this is mostly sort of about her book, which, which just came out, right?
2: Yes, it, 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 yes, it did. And, um, you know, she is, uh, you know, she, she did it with a ghost writer. Uh, she is not a writer, but she loves to talk. <laughs> and, uh, obviously that's all you need to write a book like this is if you have a good ghost writer who can, you know, convey what you're saying in print, that's all you need. And it, it's very conversational that way, you know, this is, uh, you know, it sounds like her and it is her,
0: you know. Cool. Well, is there anything else we should know before uh, we get into your conversation with her?
2: You know, it's, you know, if you love Say Yes to the Dress, I'm sure the book will fit your bookshelf very well.
0: Let's hear Rodney's talk with Lori Allen of Say Yes to the Dress Atlanta.
2: Hey, uh, this is Rodney Ho with the Atlanta Journal Constitution. I am here with Lori Allen. She is. A co host of TLC Say Yes to the Dress Atlanta and also the owner of Bridals by Lori in Sandy Springs. And she has written a new book. So tell us about the book. It's got a similar name to your TV show, right?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a nod back, Rodney, to my TV show. Thank you for having me here, by the way. Uh, Honest, what? The book name, the book title is Say Yes to What's Next. And, and I, what
2: does that mean? <laughs> I
1: want to inspire people. I want to inspire women. And I think now more than ever, we need this positive message out there to be looking forward. And I, I just want to keep women in the forward position, not the backward, not going backwards. Right.
2: I mean, ultimately, uh, you said it kind of came to your mind as you were talking to some older women, right? That it was like you watched the the moms work with the brides and the brides, you know, they're giving the brides everything, right? And then they ask the cheapest dress, which is kind of weird, right? It
1: is the craziest thing. And I see it over and over and over again. She comes in with her mom. The mom's upstairs. I want my baby to have everything. I want everything to be perfect for her. She's a princess. I want her to look magical. And then when it's time for the mother to get her dress, and I think this is indicative of how she's feeling about herself. She's like, nah, just get me the cheapest thing. Go over to that sales rack and give me the cheapest thing on that sales rack because I don't deserve it. And I want to change that in women. You know, I, I feel like we give and we give and we give and we start losing ourselves in all this giving. And when she says that, and I hear it over and over, it just, you know, I just feel so bad for her. She's lost herself.
2: And the book, I guess, is an interesting combination of, I guess, autobiography, memoir, as well as advice, right? For women, uh, uh, older women um, that... Just because you reach a certain age doesn't mean you give up on fashion. You give up on ambition. You give up on career, right? These are this. Is, right. None of this is true, right? And,
1: and you mainly, Rodney, don't give up on yourself. But I wasn't right. into this. I didn't want to write like this boring autobiography. That wasn't my mode here. This book has a mission, and the mission of this book is to inspire women, say forty-five and over, to live their best life and to take stock of what they're doing now and are we proud of ourselves and are we living with passion? So I, I have intertwined stories about my life in here and I don't ever say I've got it all figured out. I'm trying and I'm a work in progress, but I, I take stories of what's happened in here and what I've been through and what I've learned from it. Now I mean, you,
2: not not to say that you don't have an interesting life. I mean, you literally uh, started your bridal shop right out of college, yeah. and you've been working you've been working as an entrepreneur for nearly forty years, which is quite astounding Correct. for anybody.
1: Uh, <laughs> you you know? know what? I've been in bridal. This December will be forty years. I started in Sandy Springs, so I'm Atlanta girl, and uh, across the street from where I am now in a thousand square feet. And, how much
2: square footage, just, just to say, how big is Bridal's by Lori now?
1: <laughs> and now I'm in 25,000 square feet and three floors. And okay. uh, so, you know, my life, I'm 25 times the size of what I started out in. Yeah, I can put it in a, to perspective that way. But, oh, for sure. But it's not been easy. I'm, I'm never, I mean, I made it totally in this book. For years, I didn't make any money in this business. And I put what little bit I made right back into it feeding my dream, you know, feeding, feeding, feeding my dream. So, you know, it took I mean, you
2: had a supportive husband in a time when that wasn't always the case, right? I mean, a lot of women around you either felt pressure to just stay at home or um, or, you know, there were a lot of issues going on back in the 80s. Right.
1: Exactly. You know, I had my mother was a stay at home mom and Eddie's mother was a stay at home mom. So we were like forging a dream here of mine and uh you know and a new pathway for our family of two working parents which is the norm now but it wasn't then and it like in our neighborhood for instance there was myself and another lady that was a teacher that worked everyone else was at home those were odd times for me i kind of felt like the oddball but yet i knew i had a dream and a passion and i didn't want to let it go i couldn't let it go i knew i wouldn't and, be happy go ahead
2: and Did you feel guilt about, which shouldn't happen, but you felt guilt about your kids in part because of that kind of peer pressure?
1: Oh, totally. I felt guilt about my kids. I mean, I think any working mom does. You know, I'm really real in this book saying that, you know, I would go to work many a days and leave my children and feel so guilty and cry. And I'd I'd come home and they're fine, you know. And, (laughs) you know, I am the... My children are the product of a working mom and I'll put them up against anybody. I've got two great kids, two successful, and they're good people, you know? So just cause you stay at home, doesn't mean, you know, your children are going to turn out any better. I think it's the fact that they saw me working hard and living my dream. And then they knew I was there for them and and Eddie also, but it wasn't easy.
2: And Molly, one one of your kids actually helped you with the book, right?
1: Yes, she did. So this idea came to me after uh, I had been asked a few times when I was going to retire, and it was really firing me up and making me mad. And I'm like, what? You know, Why would you be asking me that? And would you be asking that of a man? That's what I'm thinking. And uh, I'm getting madder and madder about it. And then I start looking around the advertising for women over 50 and and the grannies in the sweater and a rocker or it's arthritis medicine, or, you know, depends and that sort of thing. I'm like, this ain't happening. And so I'm like, Molly, I need to write a motivational book for women over 50. Well, she has an advertising company. And she said, like, well, come up. And I, can, she lives in Calhoun. I went up to Calhoun. We locked ourselves in an office for three days. We came up with all the titles of the chapters and the first chapter. And then sent it in, and it was picked up right away. So I think there's a real need for my message here.
2: What <laughs> were some of the subjects that you felt like you had to address? What were kind of the important things that, that people are going to read about in the book?
1: Well, I addressed things, Rodney, that were important to me because, I, I mean, although I've been on TV and I have a business, I'm a mom and a working mom and a grandmother. So I addressed things that were important, like aging parents. And that's been like the number one chapter in the book right now is parenting parents. You know, it's a very tough time as our parents age to see that happen and to guide them and keep their respect. I mean, it is just, it's something different every single day. So that, yeah, you, was, said
2: that you said that was one of the toughest chapters for you to write, right? It was well, just, uh,
1: yeah, I cried buckets Rodney. When I, when that chapter was written, I absolutely cried buckets when that chapter is so real and so raw. I also did a big chapter on marriage. And um, that's been talked about a lot from the book. And I really don't want How
2: long have you been married to Eddie now?
1: Okay, so Eddie and I have been married for almost, no, no, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. So I was young, young and dumb and stupid and in love, crazy in love. And you know, that combination lasts, but it doesn't last forever. You both have got to be able to grow and you both have to give each other freedom to grow, But you got to keep that underlying commitment there that you're going to come back together like you're going to grow and you're going to do your thing but in the evening you're going to be back together and I think that's the difference of a successful marriage now sometimes I'm not saying that you know there's not abuse or sometimes it just doesn't work out but that's how ours has worked and we also have the example of, of parents that have both been married a long time But that marriage chapter, I don't want brides to think that I see and hear every day that they're going to get in a carriage and ride off into the sunset because it does not work that way. There are going to be many days you want to about strangle them. And then there are going to be many days you love them dearly. I mean, it's just the way it goes. And you got to realize that.
2: And and your kids now are are married, too. And uh, you write in the book of some of your struggles with that, right, with dealing with in-laws, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, There's a big chapter in the book called Wear Beige and Keep Your Mouth Shut. Now, that's a Southern saying to the mothers of the groom in our store. Wear beige and keep your mouth shut. Those are two things you're supposed to do. And beige matches my hair color. I look terrible in it per And I can't keep my mouth shut. You know that. So, (laughs) you know, that ain't happening. But it is very difficult to be a mother-in-law. So I want people to see it from the other side. And I would like for brides to read it also. What a hard time we have. You know, I see it upstairs every day, the brides in. This is my mother and this is my aunt. And she said, and I even brought my mother-in-law to be. Like, she's not really supposed to be here, but I did her a big favor by inviting her. You know, I think that's the way we're looked at as mothers of the groom. And, you know, we got to change that that's not right. You know, you're marrying into a new family and you've got to be able to embrace that new family.
2: But it's tricky for you, right? Because, I mean, you, you want to be there and provide support, but you don't want to be too in their grill, right?
1: <laughs> oh, totally, Rodney. And I wanted to get in the grill, okay? <laughs> and I totally admit it in the book. I mean, I, be, I can be all up in their business and I have to realize that I need to pull back. And that's something I think we as mothers have to learn, you know, that we've got to pull back. We've got to give them room to fail and room to make mistakes. And it's so difficult. I have a hard time with it. I'm not going to say I've got it all figured out. But I've learned that with me stepping back, I think both my children are happier in their marriages. And so that's how, how I've got to approach this, because I want them to be happy in their marriages.
2: A couple, you also address a couple of your major health issues. Uh, one was breast cancer in around 2012. Uh, that was extremely emotional, just even just reading it. I mean, you could tell it, this really, you know, literally, it's part of your body here. It's, it's part of who you are, right? Yeah.
1: That was another chapter I cried buckets. And, you know, I spent pretty much all October, Rodney, traveling all over the country speaking about breast cancer and motivating women to get their mammogram. And so that's become my cause now. But during that time, you talk about a hard year, and and I'm still filming. And, you know, you can't cover sick with makeup. I could tell exactly when it was by looking at it. I mean, I felt so bad, and, you know... It's just a super hard time. I ended up having two surgeries, first a lumpectomy, then I still had cancer. So then I ended up with a double mastectomy, you know, the tamoxifen, excuse me, the uh, physical therapy, all that. And, you know, it takes at least a year out of your life and it's a really tough year. But, you know, looking back on it, I'm proud of how I handled it. I did not let myself come unglued, did not.
2: That's very impressive. Mm. And, uh, and TLC actually did a special on it too, right? They, they embraced it themselves, right?
1: They did. I contacted them a couple of weeks after I was diagnosed because Molly and I were talking about it. She's like, Mom, you've got a huge platform for women and you need to share your story. So we shot Say Yes to the Cure Lori's Fight, which won a Real Screen Award. Uh, and we had a great viewership that night. And I do truly think from those two specials, in fact, I know that we saved some lives. You know, some women had the mammogram that normally wouldn't, and you know, and they were less afraid. You know, I, I hope that of anything about my breast cancer journey, people will realize that I'm the biggest chicken in the world, and if I got through it, you can too.
2: That's wonderful. And then you already had the book all set to go, and then something bizarre happened last <laughs> spring, right? I think it's been reported quite a bit that. Yeah. Uh, you had uh, not just a slip and fall, but a sort of slip and smash into your face situation, exactly. right? Exactly.
1: A face plant. We a face were plant. Uh, We were filming. That's my initial chapter of the book, um, When Life Gives You a Face Plant. And we were filming having a great day. This just shows how quickly accidents can happen to you, Rodney. I'm having so much fun, and we're laughing and cutting up, and we're shooting the opening scene of the show, and a train was left on the, ga- or on the ground. And it was, it was sequins, okay, so slippery, with tulle under it and on top. And it matched the floor exactly. And I take a step and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be bad. I knew when I stepped because it was just, I couldn't catch myself. And I'm like, drop to your knees, drop to your knees. And I actually landed on my face. And I cut my eye, knocked myself out, broke both wrists, had a plate and nine screws put in my right wrist, and then broke some ribs. So, I was banged up. And that was a time where that I had to rely on everybody around me. You can imagine with both arms and cast for weeks, everybody around me to do everything. And I mean, literally everything for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, you couldn't even flush, you couldn't even flush a toilet, right?
1: <laughs> couldn't flush a toilet, couldn't brush my teeth, couldn't Ugh. get in out of the shower. I mean, you are totally, totally. And fine.
2: you are such an independent woman. This must've driven you mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> drove me crazy and I was yes. determined you know to get better at physical therapy I pushed myself I really pushed myself I just was not gonna have it now but were they
2: worried you were pushing yourself too hard or too soon or did you have to sort of moderate almost moderate yourself so you didn't get ahead of yourself
1: yeah I think my wrist would not let me push myself too hard because they were so badly broken that you know from then I, I would have to pull back because I would have pain. And I still have some wrist pain. I'm not gonna say they're hundred percent. They're not. And still to this day there's pain and and you know, and the fact that I can't do a lot of heavy lifting right now still. But I'm trying. I'm working on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you found out you had some osteoporosis, which may have made your bone breakage even worse, they right? They may you...
1: have, you know, they can yeah. say for sure, but I kind of think so. You know, when you take the pills that take all the estrogen out of your body for breast cancer, you're going to have some breakage. You are brittle no. bones, brittle bones.
2: Brittle bones. And, and, and you don't, I mean, you don't look brittle at all, so that it's uh, almost hard to believe, right? <laughs> I really
1: don't. I really don't. And I don't look sickly. You know, I'm, no. I've always been very healthy. So for these kind of things to happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Because even when I got breast cancer, I'm like, I don't look sick. I didn't at that point in time. You know, after all these treatments, of course, I did. But I did not look sick. Breast cancer is sneaky.
2: Oh, well, I'm glad. You know, it never hurts to keep bringing it up, right? No. There's always women out there that need to be told, right?
1: Exactly. If I reach one person, I'm doing good. I'm doing
2: good. Well, well, how's, how's the pandemic been for you guys? It's a standard question for all of us oh, to ask at this point. God. I I know you guys closed for several weeks and that was kind of scary, right?
1: Yes, we were closed running for two months. Um, It was super scary. I've never closed the store longer than a day or two. And that would be for snow, which was probably only three flakes in Atlanta, but still. And uh, so we were closed for two months. During that time, we had to figure out what our new normal for bridal gown shopping was going to be. And we had to put up the sneeze screens and figure out how we were going to reopen. And how we were going to wait on brides with masks, taking temperatures, limiting the number of guests, somebody in the guest party has to dress the bride now. I mean, it is wild. I never in a million years would have imagined that 2020 would go to this. You know, we we would be- And
2: you are a hugger. I mean, you are very much, this must be the hardest thing for you to meet people, meet brides and you can't hug them.
1: I have the hardest time. I'm like a touchy person. Like, I put my arm around you. I give you a hug, you know, because I'm consoling a lot. And then I'm celebrating with them when they find their gown. And you can't even, like, get near them to get a picture. We have to, like, put mannequins between us. It is wild. It is a wild ride right now, you know? And I think. But
2: you're getting business, right? I mean, brides are still coming in and buying dresses,
1: right? Yes, they are. And I'm so thankful. They are still, this is what I love about women and men too, but women particularly, the resolve of women to figure this out. I've had many brides that are doing very small at home weddings and still wearing their dress because, you know, they everybody dreams about wearing this fabulous dress and still getting their bouquet and still having a photographer. And then they're going to do a larger reception later. And then I've had many brides put their wedding off for a year or two. But they are figuring it out. And I love to see the hope of the new brides coming into the store with setting dates and and saying, you know, it's going to be next summer or next fall. And hopefully by then, like fall a year from now, there will be a vaccine and we will be through this and we can truly celebrate. Oh, absolutely. I, I think people are really wanting to get dressed up again. I do. We've been in slouchy clothes at home so long. We want to. Do that.
2: <laughs> well, you dress up every day for work, right? So you, you don't—you're not slouchy.
1: I do, but I was slouchy when I was home for two months. I
2: oh, was that's true.
1: A slouch. Mm-hmm.
2: The uh, and it must be inspiring to see um, either that or it makes you feel old oh, that you see multiple generations. Like the the uh, brides were—you know, their oh, yeah. their mothers were the brides at one point and came yeah. to your store, and I, now their kids are coming. I
1: love it. I love it, Ryan because we are. I'm seeing people that, you know, they had a child and they're bringing their child back in. I used to try to take a picture with the mom and the daughter. I just think I love that. And sometimes the mom will bring me in her pictures when she bought here, you know, that many years ago. And I was that young girl fresh out of college, you know, and she had enough faith in me to buy her gown from me then and brings her daughter back to me now. I mean, there's no greater honor. There really isn't.
2: And and you mentioned earlier that people keep asking you to retire. I don't sense that retirement is even in your vocabulary at the moment. Right. I I mean, you are.
1: Spell it. I'm not spelling. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not even thinking about. No, you know, I feel like I have so much more to give, which women over 50 do so much more to offer. And, you know, we have the largest buying power. In the whole country the most discretionary income in this entire country and yet they they advertise depends and walkers and arthritis okay. medicine for us you know
2: hey, hey they, they they do buy books too right <laughs>
1: they don't think they have any sense and i got a new platform well, we got plenty of sense
2: well you they can certainly buy this book it's uh, it's out now uh say yes to what's next uh, it's available on amazon and all the usual places you can go to buy a book. Yeah. And, um, and you can even stop by bridles by Lori and you guys even sell the books too, right? <laughs>
1: we do. I have some copies here, so we sell it also. Absolutely. If they,
2: if they want an autograph, they can come by and, and see you. That's they, right. they can't get too close to you, unfortunately, but, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe in due time, maybe like you said, time. it will happen.
1: Mm-hmm. It will. It will. We have faith. Okay.
2: Well, thank you so much, Lori. And, uh, g- good luck with, uh, you know, with your business and with the book.
1: Thank you, Rodney. Thank you for having me on.
0: There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had, and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Are you missing traveling? While some folks have to get on a plane for work or for family emergencies, many are avoiding it. Get a taste of what you're missing and take a virtual trip with travel shows on tv rodney ho has a few suggestions for exploring the world from your sofa including the environmentally focused down to earth with zach efron on netflix see what else he recommends on the radio and tv talk blog at ajc.com local arts organizations are struggling to stay afloat but there is some relief on the way The Georgia Council for the Arts has named 63 groups representing a range of artistic disciplines to receive one-time Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act grants. That's the CARES Act. The AJC's Rosalind Bentley gives us an update on the distribution of those grants, including a link to the full list of recipients. Go to AJC.com to read more. Atlanta-based southern rock quintet Blackberry Smoke was just planning to shoot some video at the recently reopened Capricorn Sound Studios in Macon. Instead, they recorded a new six-song EP that celebrates their southern rock roots. Live from Capricorn Sound Studios was released in June, with proceeds benefiting the Recording Academy's Music Care's COVID-19 fund. Melissa Ruggieri talked with the band's singer and guitarist Charlie Starr about the recording, which includes an appearance by Duane Allman's hollowed, gold top Les Paul guitar. Find out about his experience and which classic songs the band revisited in Melissa's interview on the Atlanta Music Scene blog at AJC.com. Sadly, our current pandemic situation has brought about the permanent closure of many local restaurants. Some of them are closed for dine-in service and rely on curbside takeout, but some have been unable to weather the crisis. This week, we found out that Gio's Chicken Siciliana, the popular chicken concept from Antico pizza owner Giovanni De Palma, will not reopen at the Battery Atlanta at Truist Park. It's one of many that have already closed their doors. Our dining team is keeping you informed on restaurant closures and reopenings at the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. And the AJC is dedicated to keeping you up to date with all the latest event cancellations and rescheduling. Stay in the know at AJC.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.